it's good to be with you again. I think the last time we were with you is in October, and it's always awesome to be in our one of our overseers' churches. Jeff is our apostolic overseer over our church, North Elevation Church. And for anybody that may be new that have never met my wife, you don't really get to meet her face-to-face unless you walk over here after the service, I do want to introduce to you uh, my high school sweetheart, Rochelle, who co-pastors with me at North Elevation Church. And I just want to give God the praise and the glory for this truth that in March we will celebrate 45 years. I was in the book of John just meditating on the words that are penned in chapter 14 when Jesus was reminding the disciples that he would be leaving. But he would be leaving to prepare a place for them, a special place for them. Some translations say a home for them. They weren't excited about that, but Jesus was making it clear that what he was about to do was a good thing, that he's going to go prepare a place for them in heaven. From that, I begin to meditate on heaven Because the truth is, church, who's the church? We are, not this building. The truth is, church, that like Billy Graham said, we are just passing through on our way to our true home. So I was meditating on our true home and reminding myself that the roof that I live under, the city that I live in, is not my home. The roof will disappear and the city will pass away. So I'm meditating on my home and the Holy Spirit breaks in and he says, keep the thought about Jesus has gone to prepare a special place for you in heaven. And as you capture that thought, I need to share with you what is on the Father's heart that he wants to speak to the church, some very vital things the church needs to look at. Now, you've got to understand, I'm in the room by myself, so I'm the only church there at the moment. So he's got me captured in my prayer chair, speaking to me about some things that God wants the church to look at. And I'm going to bring one of those tonight. Now, for those of you that have not heard me speak before, when I share a pen truth with you, I am sharing with you revelation that maybe God has given me, an insight God has given me, or maybe he he has given me something that was really just a word of correction or a word of wisdom, or a word of insight, or a word of encouragement. It could be any of those things. So I'm going to be sharing with you some pen truths tonight. And the first one is this. Jesus doesn't just prepare a home for us in heaven. He wants to prepare his home in us. And he can provide so that he can provide, and I capitalize the he, you know, so. can provide what the world cannot offer. Now, I'm going to ask several questions tonight. You're going to get tired of my questions probably because every time I ask one, I'm going to drill deeper and deeper. 
And the first question is, are we letting him prepare his home in us? And before you shout a resounding yes, you need to listen to the rest of the message. Are we letting him prepare his home in us? As Jesus prepares an amazing place for us, an amazing home for us, he also wants to prepare an amazing right here, right now for us. Right here, right now. Now, I want us to move beyond some things. I know you've got dreams and you've got plans and you've got desires and you are standing in faith and you're looking for them out there and you're believing for them out there. I want you to pull back and realize that God wants to build his home in you so that you can have those things right here, right now. You can have the amazing. Why are we waiting? When I let God totally take over my life to the point that I start experiencing daily the amazing right here, right now. Next question, are we robbing ourselves of that? Let me answer the question, yes, more often than we realize. Robbing ourselves of the amazing right here, right now. Here, man, I, you know, I kind of wish that I got to speak to you before Monday night's football game. Because the Holy Spirit began to speak to me and he said, there's some things that the church needs to clean up in 2023. Now, we heard a lot prior to Monday night. Now, if you're in the Smithy household, I'm talking my kids, my son-in-laws, my daughter-in-law, most of my grandkids are rabid cowboy fans. Part of my joy on cowboy games when they're all there is I just sit back and watch how they all act. They think screaming and talking to the television is going to change something. Now, there was a lot of talk about the Cowboys had some things they needed to clean up. Especially behind center. (laughs) No mentioning names, right? But when you study and define clean up, you come up with the word sloppy. And that language was used that they needed to stop playing sloppy football. Would you think they... Straightened the ship a little bit and cleaned up some stuff Monday night. Wasn't sloppy, except for the field goal kicker. But anyway, <laughs> God began to speak to me that there were some things we need to clean up in 2023. And here's, here's how the Holy Spirit spoke it to me. Now, he may not talk to you this way, but he knows how to get Corey Smithy's attention. And, I'm, and I penned exactly what he said to me. He said, stop living a sloppy Christian life. Clean some things up in 2023. Amen? Can we accept truth from the Holy Spirit? He's got some things he wants to tell us. I hope you're able to say, you know, I got that one. (laughs) But what I love about God is God loves us too much to leave us where we're at. The first thing that the Holy Spirit spoke to me that we need to clean up in 2023 is this, we must let go of control. 
We must let go of control. It is in my DNA to want to hover over things. But I have learned not to micromanage. I have learned that that only brings greater trouble trying to control everything when the Holy Spirit can unravel things and prepare things and present things and blossom things and grow things in ways I never could. I've got to be submitted. I've got to let go of control. And to that point, I love what Andrew Murray said. Just as water ever seeks and fills the lowest place, so the moment God finds you abased and empty, His glory and power flow in. Now let's do the math here. Abased plus empty equals His glory. Abased plus empty equals power flowing in you. How are we going to have the glory and the power flowing in us? We have to be abased and empty before God. Now, I hope at least once a week you desire for the glory of God to consume you and the power flow in you and out of you. But if we are not even conscious of a hunger for that, I have something that needs to be said. Too much of the world has crept in. Too much of my desires instead of his desires have taken control. Or I just won't let go and trust God. Every year, it's the same. I'm just not satisfied with the relationship I had the year before. With Jesus. The church should be hungering for his glory to flow in us and from us. And what does the math tell me? If I'm empty and abased, that will happen. Now, I love what King James Dictionary says about abased. It says reduced to a low state, humbled. And I know no better way than to live a humbled life than to live a crucified life. Crucified. That means you put self to death every day. Now, many of you here lead people, lots of people. I lead people. I lead a team. The best thing I could ever do for them and lead them well is that they see that I live a crucified life. A crucified life. Every day. I've said this before here, and I'll say it again. And it's not a negative thing that I say. It's really a positive. I very seldom get to do what I want to do. The way I want to do it, the way I like to see it unfold. But here's what I've learned. It's better the way he does it. It's no big deal. Recently... We don't go into details. We didn't get the home we wanted, but we got the home God said that we needed. And you know what? It's been a huge blessing. We got to let God 
be in control in 2023. It's going to be important in this year that we let God be in control. Because you know why? Because he wants to give you the amazing right here, right now. Not tomorrow. Right now. He wants to give you the amazing. Another pin truth. As Christians, we are to live a life in constant identification with the cross. We need to remind ourselves that Jesus was tempted as we are. Jesus not only was tempted as we are, he felt what we feel. He sees what we saw. He saw what we see now. He, feels, he felt all those things, the ups and downs. The difference is he did not sin and he did not turn his back on God. He lived a crucified life prior to getting to the cross. Are you with me? He lived a crucified life before he got to the cross. We need to be in constant identification with the cross, not just the cross and the crucifixion, but the life Jesus lived prior to the crucifixion. It's very important. Living a crucified life means that I am going to crucify my self-will every day. I'm going to rehearse some things I've said through the years here that I rehearsed to to North Elevation Church. One of the things that I do, do I always hit the mark? No, but I'm I'm straining. Are you with me? For the high calling of God. But before I get out of bed, I'm already speaking to God. I have to be very careful because Rochelle's a lot sleeper, so it's, I've gotten good at it. So anyway being quiet because I want to give the father my day and release my will into his hands so that I can perform his will through the day before my feet touch the floor. If I told you what my agenda and schedule was today and then I get a phone call and I'm with you tonight, you got to know it's God's will because I wasn't on the agenda. Okay, it wasn't. If we'll turn our lives over and give up control, the amazing will start happening. Right here, right now. God's up to something tonight. Pastor Jeff, I love him. He's going to be back and he's going to be exploding with the word. Everybody knows that's true. The truth. And I believe God's going to touch him and he's going to be well quickly in Jesus' name. But God's up to something this evening. He wants us to give up control. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I'm not even going to read the rest of that verse of Scripture. we got to get the first part of that Verse of scripture going in our lives. Amen? I'm going to read it again. I have been crucified with Christ. Question, have you been crucified with Christ? Are you crucifying on a daily basis your will to follow his will? Are we doing that? Next is, 
it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Question, who's in control? Every time I read that, that's all I hear. Corey, who's in control? Well, that's not what it says, Holy Spirit. Yes, it does. Who's in control? Are you living or are you crucified? Is he alive in you and he's in charge? Or, or is it all you and he's dead in you and you're the one running things? I know, he talks to me really different than he does everybody else. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The crucified life. Living the crucified life is letting go of control. It's letting go of control. Verse, 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty one. I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die every day. What I love about Paul, and you, you study his life, he's one of my favorite, uh, we say characters of the Bible, he's just, he's just a favorite person to me because he, you know, he started out with, <clears throat> hey, you know, I'm the chief of everybody. I'm the, you know, I'm, I'm over everybody. Two, I'm a nobody. Because Paul learned the importance of having the amazing happen right here, right now, through living a crucified life. And we're going to look at one portion of some of that here in just a moment. We must die to our self-will that Christ might live through us. And if that's not happening, we have questions we need to ask ourselves, not someone else. What is getting in the way? Can I just throw a few things out there? It can be good stuff. Relationships. Golf. Fishing. With my son-in-law's games on the television. I'm not picking on any of that. I'm just putting some stuff out there. What is interfering with us selling out to doing the Father's will? Are you saying those things are bad? No. None of them are. You go fishing and relax. Do we need to relax and rest? I used to play golf. I don't anymore. I don't know how you relax and play golf. But it did get me away from everything for about four and a half hours. It's not bad stuff. It's only bad if it's keeping me from the will of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? If it's keeping me from the will of God. The Oxford Dictionary of Languages defines self-will. Now, if you look on the screen, you see that very first word up there with the definition... I'm not going to say that word because I'm going to tell you the word that my grandmother used. And I'm going to tell you in advance, don't be offended. You're Christians. You can't be offended. That my grandmother would use, because if I heard this, Corey Wayne, I'm hiding out. (laughs) And my grandmother would say, Corey Wayne, you need to stop being so pig-headed. 
always doing what you want and you don't consider what I told you to do. It's not about what you want to do. It's what I just told you to do. I've always been amazed at how we demand that from our children, but when the father says it, we rebel. And those of us who have got grandchildren, you know, they're a constant reminder to me that I need more patience and I need to obey God. (laughs) What is this definition telling me? It's, It's asking me a question. Am I so stubborn to the point that I have to be in control that I no longer care about the Father's will? I just want him to do for me. I just want God to move while I do what I do. Anybody with me? There's no sacrifice in that, is there? Not a lot of obedience in that either. Definitely not the flesh being crucified. So I'll say, as my grandmother said, we got to stop being pig-headed, church. We need to live the crucified life. You know, John the Baptist, interesting man. Um, every time I think about John the Baptist, I think about our youth pastor at a church I used to be on staff on that I was on staff for 23 years. And we would do this Christmas play and musical, and it was a big deal. And nobody, he said, I'm going to look like John the Baptist when I come up behind those rocks. And nobody, and we had practiced it, and he just looked like himself. And the night of the production, I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be, you know, he's supposed to be fixing to baptize. I was playing Jesus. He was going to baptize me and all that stuff, you know. I know I'm a little short for Jesus, but that's, that's the way it went. So anyway, um, and he, he comes up behind those rocks, and he's got on camel hair. He's got a grasshopper attached to the camel hair. His hair's going everywhere. He looks like he just come out of the mud, and the place lost it. But in that moment... I'm thinking, that's John the Baptist, the wild man for Jesus. But you know, John the Baptist was becoming a celebrity. No, come on, he was. He was becoming a celebrity in, in what you, we would call in those times and in those days. I love what he says. John chapter 3, verse 28. You yourselves bear witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom, the friend of the bridegroom, who stands and hears him, rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. Verse 30, he must increase, but I must decrease. Now, I know all the Sadducees and Pharisees, they didn't like that statement. But here's a guy who really is becoming a celebrity. There was a whole lot of people following him. And he says, I must, I must decrease. And he must be increased. And I know no better way than to do that than to live a crucified life. And let go of control. 
Another pin truth tonight. The crucified life is a choice. Me first or God first? Which choice are we making each day? Which choice are we making each day? I can't hang out with you, but in the name of Jesus, those words will just hang with you for a while. What choice am I making? 2 Corinthians 5, verse 13. I'm going to come down into the bottom portion of it and pull something out tonight. Verse 13, for if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us. Ooh, whole another message there. Does love control us? Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might, parentheses on this side, no longer live for themselves but for him. No longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So how much of no longer live for themselves, but for him is true in our lives? It's living the crucified life. It's living the crucified life. Now, in Acts, I'm going to read from a story and I don't, I've done the research on it. I've studied history about it. I've read probably just about every commentary there is on it. But I just know just in just how it is in ministry, because I'm looking at it from a ministry perspective, that Paul and his team had laid out some plans for their journey and where they were going to go and what they were going to do and what they felt like God was wanting them to do. I'm sure there was, in, their, in Paul's way, some sermon prep, some teaching prep. His team was prepped. They had all these things they were going to do and they were going to go to these places. But Paul had learned to live a crucified life and his journey changed for the better. And I'm going to make this statement up front. We're missing out on a lot of the right here, right now amazing because we're letting ourselves sell to ourselves that what I have planned and put before me is good so God don't interfere because it's good. But there is something that I have learned and that we as a church need to learn, and sometimes I haven't learned it real well, is that even good things are not His will today. It's not His will today. Doesn't mean it won't be a few days from now, as Paul found out. Let's read this, starting at verse 6. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Forbidden to speak the word. Would you think that probably Paul had a word to speak and he was forbidden? How often have we broke 
the glass panes on the window because we were going to do it anyway. Verse 7, And when they had come up to Misa, they attempted to go to Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them, so passing by Misa, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, I'm going to let you go read the rest of the story. Go study what happened. What Paul had planned was good, but it wasn't God's will today. And because he lived a crucified life, Paul was about to experience the amazing right here, right now. Because he lived a crucified life. It had been worth it. It'd be worth it to me right now to have such a vision. I didn't see a lot of people going, yeah, amen. <laughs> I would. Be so cool. Wake up and God said, take Rochelle and y'all go over there. I'm about to do the amazing right there in the moment you show up. Amen. We must die to our will. Even in regard to good things. Why? I'll say it again. It's not his will today. I had some plans today. I had some things I was going to accomplish. And I got to pick them up tomorrow because it wasn't his will today. We've got to learn to live the crucified life. I'm going to say it again. We have to learn to live the crucified life. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, I have a pen truth. So I was meditating on the scripture one day, and I wrote this down in my journal. Crucifying the flesh illustrates the putting to death of our selfish will to put God's will first. Put to death my selfish will so that I can have the Father's will. Maybe there's some things you want God to do, but maybe there's just a little bit too much selfishness in it. And if we will crucify the flesh, all of a sudden we'll have the amazing right here, right now, in a way we would have never had it any other way. And it'll be so much better. And for some of you, I just thought it might end up being so much cheaper. In the economy, and I had to throw that out there. That might be cheaper. I'm going to make a faith declaration, and I just want you to sit here and listen to this faith declaration I'm about to make. This is what I penned at the end of this season 
in my prayer chair as I'm writing down and I'm beginning to, and I'm going through the word and, and, and God's beginning to put this message in me. I pen this faith declaration. Right here, right now, Lord, make your home in my heart. Lord, help me live for you today. I choose to live a crucified life each day. I will live the crucified life in expectation that right here, right now, I can have the amazing today. Even as you prepare an amazing future home for me. You know, when God begins to speak to us about some things we need to clean up, we need to be thinking about what is the declaration I'm going to make and I'm going to stand in faith and I'm not going to let the enemy pull me back into that same place. I'm going to have the other side of this and I'm going to speak to it and I'm going to see it happen. Now, I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask you to look at the screen and read this with me. But now it's, you're the I. You're the I making the declaration. Now, can I give you a warning? If you make the declaration, mean it. (laughs) And then choose to live by it. So, let's... Make this faith declaration in our lives. Right here, right now, Lord, make your home in my heart. Lord, help me to live for you today. I choose to live a crucified life each day. I will live the crucified life in expectation that right here, right now, I can have the amazing today, even as you prepare an amazing future home for me. Hallelujah. Amen. I believe that tonight. Amen. Give Pastor Corey a round of applause. Amen. Great message. Amen. Now, to do that, you have to surrender everything to God. Everything to God. You can't have anything left that you're holding on to. What you're holding on to is an idol before God. I'm guilty of this as anyone here tonight. It took many, many years of repentance for me to completely surrender my life to God. So tonight, I just want to open up the altar if we can get some prayers down here, and if that's you tonight, whatever you haven't surrendered, whether it's your finances, your relationships, your, your taxes, I'll be honest, that was the last thing for me. It was, I'm just being real. I'm just being real, right? Taxes were the last thing that I really surrendered to God because I hate paying taxes, but I get it. I have, So that was mine. So whatever it is in your life, whether it's a sin or anything going on, we have to repent and so completely surrender that to the Lord, right? We have to be convicted first. So ask God to convict you right now because repentance is the pivotal point between ruin and reconciliation with God. And if you're never convicted, you'll never get saved. You'll never repent of anything unless the Holy Spirit convicts you. That's what I want to do right now. I just want you to just ask God, Lord, convict me right now. And whatever I have not surrendered to you, whatever I'm holding on to you, Whatever I'm holding on to, Lord, I just freely give to you right now. Because, Lord Jesus, when you say, come to me, 
all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take your, my yoke upon you. What Jesus is saying there is it's like plowing a field. We can't pull the burdens of this life ourselves. But when we put our yoke on Jesus, he pulls it for us. So whatever you're going through right now, surrender it to God. Because that's what he wants you to do. He doesn't want you to carry those burdens alone because you're not alone. Jesus is with you. So if there's anything in your life right now that you have not surrendered completely and utterly to God, whether it's spending time with him or anything, you're not spending enough time with him, you're not reading the Bible enough, you're not praying enough, you're not truly seeking his will for your life, you're trying to do it yourself, just give it to God right now. Say, God, I surrender my entire life to you. If there's anything that is not surrendered to you, Lord, I give it to you right now because I want to be used by you. I want to be used in your kingdom. I want to win souls for you. I want to rejoice when people repent. I want to be used by you, God, but you can't be used by God if you're not surrendered to God. So whatever it is you're going through right now, God is right there. Jesus says, come to me. Come to nothing else. Don't come to any person. Don't come to anything else, anything else but Jesus Christ himself. He says, come to me. That is a person. That is God Almighty, the creator of everything, saying, come to me, and I will give you rest. We have responsibility in that. It just doesn't happen. We have to come to him with our burdens, with our cares of this world. Come to me, he says. So give it to him. Surrender your life completely, whatever it is in your life right now. The altar is open. We want to rejoice with you if you're repenting today. So many Christians are afraid to repent because people are going to point fingers. And what do they do? What does the Bible say? The Bible says the angels in heaven rejoice when one sinner repents. So we want to rejoice with you in your repentance. So as he plays and the Holy Spirit speaking to you, you come down, you grab one of these men or women, or you just come down to the altar or stay where you're at. It doesn't matter. But give your cares to God. Surrender to him everything in your life. That's the only way he can truly use you. So as he plays this song, we're just going to sing a short song. And if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, be obedient to that call and just surrender it all to God, whatever it is. In Jesus' name. Staying shoulder to shoulder with one another. And if you're, you're not alone, you're not an island. We want to pray with you. We want to lay hands on you. We want to love on you here in this church. So whatever it is you're going through, don't do it alone. There are people here that care about each and every one of you. I promise you that. Because we all love you in Christ. We're all on the same team, right? So if you're if you're struggling with something, reach out to someone. There are many ministries here in this church that will care for you and love on you and teach you and help you and show you the way that God wants you to get through it. Because you can be in the darkest season of your life. The clouds can be so dark, but the sun is still shining on the other side of those clouds, right? Seasons come and go. You might be in the worst season of your life right now. I know the worst season of mine, it was a while back, but it came and the Lord got me out of that. He can get you out of that too if you give it to him, I promise. So as we do this, just maybe another minute or two, 
It's so powerful just to be obedient to the Holy Spirit and the call that he has placed on your life. Because if you are surrendered to God and you believe in Jesus Christ and his blood has covered your sins, God has a purpose for you. Here tonight, God has a purpose for you. If you're here and breathing, God can use you in his kingdom. You might not think that, but I promise you, if you're here, you're here for a reason. Let God use you. Let God work through you. The greatest thing you can do is win souls for Christ. I'll never forget the the first soul that I got to lead to the Lord. It changed me. It was contagious. And when you do that, you're going to want to do it more and more and more and more and just completely surrender to him and push into him more. So just do that. You are special. You are unique. And God can use your talents, whatever they are. I promise you that. God can use me. God can use you. But you've got to give everything to God. Give it all to him. Let him run your life and let him have complete control over your life. That's the only way to do it because you can't do it by your control. You've got to give it to God. Amen? All right. So let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much, God. We love you. We thank you for this church. I thank you for every person here tonight, God. Lord, we lift up our pastor. Right now, Lord, we pray for Pastor Jeff and we pray for his immediate healing, God. That he'll be here Sunday preaching your word. He'll be here next Wednesday, God. Whatever's going on with him, Lord, we just pray you touch his body right now because we know that you are the healer, Lord. We have the faith to believe that you can heal today just as you healed those people back when you were on earth, Lord Jesus. We just pray you healing, God. We pray that Miss Cindy is completely healed too in everything they do, God. We pray if you're today here and you need healing, Jesus can heal you. But you have to have the faith to believe that Jesus can heal you. He might heal you, he might not. Your faith doesn't change, but you have to have the faith to believe that he can. Lord, we just pray you bless this church, and I pray you bless every person here. I pray every person here truly, when they recited that, they meant it. And I pray you use the people that meant it, God. And we love you, we praise you, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Well, we love you. We'll see you Sunday. And don't forget, tomorrow, one, 30 seconds every hour. Praise the Lord. Amen. We love you in Jesus' name.